This is CyberSound, your simplified and fundamentals-focused source for all things cybersecurity, with your hosts, Jason Pufal, Stephen Maresca, and Matt Fusaro. Welcome to CyberSound. I'm your host, Jason Pufal. Joined as always, Steve Maresca and Matt Fusaro. Hey, everyone. Hi. So I feel like this is a, this is a complicated topic because it's the it's sort of top of mind for a lot of people. Uh, we 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 put our heading down. You know, AI friend or foe. Uh, I you know maybe that's a little sensationalized, but I don't know. You know there there's definitely groups, and we can talk about this specifically. Uh, certainly, groups of people who are advocating for the, the sort of slowdown or halting of development around AI. I think people are concerned about uh, maybe advancing too quickly and posing a threat, right? That the foe side of things. Um, but I think we also should cover you know, some of those really positive applications that we're already seeing uh, for you know, chat GPT and image recognition and some of the stuff that Microsoft is doing you know, to, to talk about you know, maybe work and be a friend if we wanted to do that. So. It, it's developing. It's developing quickly. I th- you know, we we talked a little bit early on in our conversations internally here around, you know, is it similar to blockchain? You know, there's tons of hype around blockchain, and I don't want to say there's been you know, no practical applications. That of course wouldn't be fair, but I don't think applications that hit the mainstream the way some of the AI um, immediate utility. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, and I think that's been the limiter for blockchain in a lot of ways. Was how does the normal person take advantage of blockchain, right? And I think the answer largely is you know, they, they kind of can't. With AI, though, how many people in three days logged into ChatGPT and got utility out of it? What, now, whether they got true value or it was just sort of, you know, like, uh, uh, sort of something unique that they played with, right? But they could access it and they could do something and they could produce something. It was fascinating how quickly this emerged and, and the hype around it. Yeah, I think it was the most heavily adopted application ever on all platforms. Overnight. Yeah. Yeah, I, unbelievable. Uh, and now it's what, ChatGPT4, I believe, is the most current version yep. still, right? Um, huge investment by Microsoft. I mean, they certainly see where this can go. Uh, but, you know, there are there's people who are saying that we're developing it it's getting you know, too intelligent too quickly, and it poses a threat. Yeah, I mean, if, if you're not aware, I believe there were over, I think they said somewhere around a thousand different tech leaders, whatever, <laughs> whatever that means. Yeah. Probably people with the most money in their pockets. But they put a petition together to um, slow down AI, whatever that means. I don't know how you enforce that or or what have you, but uh, they're looking to slow it down or, or halt it for a bit. Um, I think mostly they're citing concerns of responsible development of it. Yeah, I think what they were proposing was a a brief pause of new training relative to data sets sourced from the internet and basically a a a creating creating of a charter or of sorts to to define responsible use of technologies like that. And and anybody who's doing any substantive development in the space, you know, typically on their informational pages, web pages, you know, they'll talk about the, their adherence to responsible development practices, uh, which I think is largely in some way constraining the tool that it, you know, can't run rampant. I mean, I think, I mean, there's a real fear, uh, you know, the difficulty 
that's cited is that training models are somewhat desirable if they behave in slightly unexpected evolutionary chaotic ways. The whole purpose. Right. Therefore, you can make that sort of assertion if you're marketing, but you cannot with a technical underpinning make that assertion in fact. Yeah, you can't push those boundaries if you don't allow it to, I guess, to evolve is the is the term. Probably. I mean, it, it, it's sort of a, it doesn't apply quite biologically, but right. the notion is the same yeah. anyway. And is there a risk? Probably, potentially. Probably. By the same token, a lot of the training models might be evolutionary dead ends to extend the analogy. They may not function. That's equally likely to something um, being generated that's useful. And the probability of something coming out that's harmful is not really possible to ascertain. Right. Uh, I mean, we have seen, so you, you, know, you spoke about the tech leaders that have you know, asked to slow down the development. Uh, and, I, and I think you know, the way you framed it, probably your position a little bit is it's, it's financially motivated. They're, they want an opportunity to catch up, I suspect. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that there's a lot of that. Don't get me wrong. I think that it's probably not a bad idea to slow it down. Um, kind of just do some some checks and balances on it, because um, like yeah, like like we were just talking about, there there's there's some danger to this, but uh, yeah, uh, like all things, there's probably a money aspect to it, <laughs> right? I, I think that there are other motivations that are articulated to slow things down too, mm-hmm. because th- there are vast, well established workforces that are fearful of being displaced. Right. We're talking about, you know, people's livelihoods, the perceived value of their contribution to society. Um, essentially, the fear that well-established norms of interaction and, and our purpose will be disrupted by something that takes away what we see as fulfillment or what we as people use as part of our identities. I think that's partly behind... Um, the blocking of uh, Italy to chat GPT. Uh, I think it has to do with privacy as well. But, you know, ultimately that that's also at the background of these conversations. It's, is it a tool that is useful or will it fundamentally change the nature of human society in a way that's not a net positive? I think that's the thought process behind it. That's not something we can answer, the, the, right? right? Well, that's Warren Buffin says no. So, <laughs> <laughs> but but it's the, you're saying the the statement around the blocking and the privacy implications is tied to the will it will it improve society in a net positive? Are you saying in part? But I think that there are fears of disruption in the actual you know uh, intellectual worker class. Right. There absolutely. I mean, there absolutely will be fears I of mean, displacement yeah. and you know the, the fears of being obviated. I think is the the main crux. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, honestly, I think. You, you could see that in a couple of days of using chat, B, chat GPT just to write articles and, and collect data. I mean, you know, we, we've talked about security education, I think, and the ability to do your own research and understand whether or not you're being presented with factual data. I mean, that's a huge risk with the tool that stands today. Uh, I think as people gain more and more trust in it, they'll be more and more likely just to trust what it gives them. And I think there's a real risk there. But the fact is, it writes better than a lot of people 
uh, it, it writes better than a lot of people that I that I read their writing of. I, I mean, I get I get people drafting documents all the time that are considerably poorer right. than what ChatGPT <clears throat> yep. can produce. I, it's going to change things, uh, and and maybe maybe things slow down development wise. They're certainly not going to halt. I mean, this this ship no. has sailed, and there's enthusiasm in this space that we haven't seen before. I, I I think that a likely outcome of technology like this is sort of a balkanization of both the tech and the international sphere as as it pertains to uh, national opinions about such technology. There will be some that completely avoid it because they want to preserve the status quo for various reasons while accepting inefficiency and, you know, all the things that might be associated with the benefits of having it. And there will be some that wholly, completely endorse and dive right in. So even if there is some sort of compact to cease development, those who don't act as signatories are free to behave as they see fit. I don't think it will stop advancement in the way that is desirable. What it might produce realistically is a compartmentalized world where, you know, you you confine the most risky applications of tools like this to air-gapped networks and things of that variety. That's likely a requirement, maybe in law, maybe in practice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, higher education has a real issue with it right now uh, for a lot of good reasons. Right. And, and the, you know, there are det- plagiarism detectors or, you know, uh, AI-generated detectors. I'm not sure how good they are. Uh, Supposedly, they don't work very well yeah. against the newer models, uh, which I can see why. As they develop, <laughs> right? I yep. mean, it, the, we said cat and, mouth, it, cat and mouse in one of our earlier podcasts. I think it's sort of similar here in that regard. Yeah. Uh, so let, let's segue a little bit, though, because what I don't want this to be is – Totally a podcast around you. Should we should we cease development? What are the risks? You know, we're seeing some really interesting applications come out of it. Uh, I, you know, I think obviously everybody's familiar with ChatGPT. Yeah, that, that's the thing that got all this started. Uh, there's the image generation tools that are out there, a whole variety of those. Um, I think one of the things that I know, Matt, you're interested in is in following is the the copilot. Uh, a tool that Microsoft has, re- has released, right? And I think we're, we're right. looking at that specifically because it's you know sort of security related, you know, mm-hmm. kind of the intent of the podcast. But uh, maybe spend a minute on that if you would. Yeah, it, it was really interesting to see how they uh, how Microsoft took the GPT four model and kind of hooked it up to their security ecosystem. Uh, they Microsoft did their um, it was one of their events where they were unveiling products and they kind of showed how uh, by using Basically, a chat GPT, it was able to do an entire forensic investigation into a ransomware attack uh, without anyone being involved, where so it detected it, it made an attack story, it made a PowerPoint presentation for executives to look at, it isolated the, the host that had an issue, and then remediated it, right? Soup to nuts. Soup to nuts. <laughs> that's, that's amazing, right? That's something that we've been striving for for a long time in security because having that type of rapid response is crucial, especially in a ransomware attack. Um, but then, you know, you get you get back to the, it's going to make mistakes sometimes, right? They even say during their um, during their presentations, like, this isn't, this is not perfect, but it's a good tool to use right now, right? It's going to help you out, which I agree. You know, having, having more tools available to get to answers quicker or to summarize things or to do 
slightly mundane tasks like make a PowerPoint presentation so that everybody else knows what's going on. You know, taking those things out of daily life is is good, I think. Um, but like we've said before, it's going to depend on an operator that is paying attention, knows what they're doing, and knows whether or not the results are what they should be, right? So, you know, the interesting thing, because Steve, you had mentioned before, you know, the concern around uh, reducing the need for knowledge workers. You know, uh, in a way, you can make the argument that this actually lets people get into a space that might otherwise be really difficult. Oh, I, mean, I, did, it, I it's agree. Yeah. It, it could make the same set of the same demographics that are fear, fearful of being displaced far more effective in applying their knowledge. I think that that is a very reasonable argument to make because it cuts out the inefficiencies of the mundane tasks and you know gets you to just making decisions with better information. It's the framing. Yeah. Of, of what we're talking about more than anything else. But, I mean, if Copilot can do you know, what you just described, you essentially detect, uh, provide you data on mm. the, the how, how an attack was executed, and then you know, we'll, we'll set the PowerPoint stuff aside. If you can produce that for a more junior analyst, now they've got, they've got something to look at that they can maybe validate right. rather than try Absolutely. to assemble from scratch, which is hugely valuable. Right. Uh, and- and I think really does open open the space up to people who might not have the experience that you typically need to do that kind of work. Yeah, it, it's kind of a continuous learning thing for them too. A lot of times a tier one analyst may not know that they're supposed to go look at certain pieces of information or how to access right. them at all, really. Um, you know, having something there to kind of coach you along, it's pretty valuable. Yeah. yeah. And, and now, of course, I'm assuming the when it did that investigation it did it all within the, the microsoft ecosystem right probably using the microsoft tools yeah of course to, yeah they, you know that's designed it's by a them. Micro, it's yeah. a microsoft product so <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah they're yeah. going to keep it in their ecosystem yeah. but but yeah i mean it, there's ways to plug their data into things like that I, I mean just for folks who don't know OpenAI has a lot of other yeah capabilities yeah. Right. I, one example yeah. that is what i think of as an offshoot when you when we talk about copilot is their whisper model it's mm-hmm. It's a speech recognition system trained on like uh, better part of a million hours of multilingual speech. It is astonishingly good for transcription, for um, interpretation of text. It's possible to put that model in a Raspberry Pi. For those who don't know, a very, very lightly powered, battery powered, potentially microcontroller. Um, Something far less capable than your phone. And turn it into something that could be a, an assistant. Right. Like, you know, Hollywood's notion of what AI was 25 years ago is right over the horizon with low-powered equipment today. That That's where we're heading. I so, mean, there's a lot of opportunity there for um, curated learning, yep. for yep. guided investigations an extension of right. stuff like Copilot yeah, to I think say that's what I'm referring to hey, exactly like yeah. being able to verbally say hey I don't understand this finding um, elaborate yep it, you know that all by itself verbally with no prompting textually I mean th- that's where we're headed and that's a hugely interesting encouraging path the cha- you know the challenge so now we're segueing a bit but we in my house we had a discussion around statistics uh my wife, my son, and I, uh, I won't get into, into like why, it doesn't matter. But frankly, none of us are statistics people. We don't have the background in it. And we asked ChatGPT, 
you know, can you develop a statistical model that meets the criteria that we gave it? And it gave an incredibly detailed, I mean, incredibly detailed answer that probably was accurate, but the fact is I have no way of validating it. Uh, that's a, that'll be a challenge. And I think, you know, sort of jumping off what you just described, if you have no foundational understanding, because, you know, because candidly, my, my background in statistics is pretty light and this was pretty complicated. I think, I think what it told me was great, <laughs> but I have to find, then find somebody to say, yeah, what it, what it gave you is actually accurate. And I don't know how you get to the point where you can take the output and truly trust it. Uh, that, that'll be interesting to see how that develops. And, and maybe you can't, maybe you ultimately just have to have some trust in things that are straightforward like that. But I don't really have any theories. I, I think we'll return to some sort of proof-driven reality because uh, honestly, if you can't point directly from origin, the prompt you're giving a system like this to the conclusion in a discernible path, even if it's contorted, you know, as long as it's explained and yeah. you can get from point A to point B, that's a better place than having no understanding of the path. Right. And yeah. that's kind of the place we're in right now. And, and I'd say that was the exact outcome. Yeah. Uh, you know, you got a couple of good pages of really detailed notes that I felt like, well, that's probably, probably right. I think that answers our question. But, uh, but I guess it's better than the starting place, which was no ability beforehand. So. Yeah, I mean, I, th I think our my big takeaway from how all of this is going is it's not going anywhere. Um, find ways to use it properly, right? Um, find ways to integrate it into what you're doing um, responsibly, because frankly, if you don't, and the rest of the world is, you're you're going to be left behind, right? Um, you know, I know a lot of people kind of are you know shaking their fist at it right now, but. It's not going to go anywhere. No, they should. <laughs> this is the Matt's hot take section. It is. Yeah, yes, for I, sure. One of the most interesting things that I've seen and kind of this, the reaction to what you're saying is annotated models that produce sort of like the the back-end thought process, so to speak, mm -hmm. for the, the content produced. Being able to say, um, this is a s supposition. I don't have facts to back it up. Right. But I'm assuming that there is this fact that's not part of the prompting or the data set that I have. Therefore, I'm making an inference. That by itself may help massively to sidestep some of the problems we're talking about. Yeah. Because it's, it's honesty about guesses being made versus right. things being decided upon fact. It's such, a, it's such an interesting thing that you're bringing up, though, because I don't think most people care about that. And I think that's the that's the reason people are so nervous about it is I do think the enthusiasm over the tools as they existed now is that they feel like they're conversing with you. They feel like people feel like they're getting accurate information with very, very, very little effort and they trust it. And but, I don't think that's going to go but away. But people are very appreciative if I tell them I don't know. And if they hear me say that. It changes the interpretation of the conversation we're having in a way that makes it understood there's sort of a, a shared responsibility in navigating. I, I agree and disagree with you at the same time. Like it, I, think, I think that would be helpful to have that annotated in there. But at the same time, I don't think people will interact with it the same way they do a human, right? When it says, I don't know, 
you assume it's broken. Right. Right. Yeah. This isn't working for me. Yeah. Right. It's, it's fair. <laughs> it's, that's not what you think when you talk to a person, though. And the deficiencies of all of these platforms today can be benefits with the right framing and coaching. Right. You know, if, if a generative AI platform emits something that it, it thinks is the appropriate output, maybe if, if I know that fact, I can backhaul that to my prompt and say, ah, right. I can fix my question. Right, I didn't right, ask right. it correctly. Right. Uh, it, it, the tools need to be used appropriately. Otherwise, honestly, you get the, you get garbage out if you put garbage in. And that's this mm -hmm. truism for all of, all of yep. computing's history. So, so you've got these tools, though, that are accessible to everybody. Not everybody can formulate their questions, can, can update their questions based on what they've just received as an answer. Like, there's, there's a lot of expectations that you have there. I can use a chainsaw. You do not want me cutting down your tree. Yeah. I'm, you know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, fair. I mean, fair enough. Uh, it, it'll, it'll be interesting to see tools that are accessible to the entirety of the population, how they develop, what the trust really what the trust in them is. And I think the trust is higher than it should be right now. Uh, and I don't expect that to change probably. Uh, I'm really enthusiastic about things like like a co-pilot. Uh, and you know, it really, it, it, there's a whole other project. There's a whole whole ton of projects out there that are using AI. Uh, and there's some fascinating uses here. Uh, and you know, coming, back, coming back to the blockchain for a second, like we were all interested in you know, crypto and blockchain and we watched all that stuff pretty closely. It was it was always hard to get really enthusiastic because it felt so niche, and it felt like people were just searching for ways to integrate blockchain. Where with AI, it just feels were. like there's a million opportunities right. there. So yeah, of course they are, <laughs> and, I, and I think they're still searching. Right? <laughs> uh, what did you say? Medical records was was one locate right? Yeah, but I, there's a handful I think that have really materialized. Uh, so I don't know if we've answered anybody's burn, <laughs> burning uh, AI questions or whether or not we've committed to it being a friend or a foe necessarily. But I think it's a – this is a this is an interesting space, uh, one that we're going to watch develop. We're seeing develop now. Like this is a, we're, you know, the, a forefront technology this minute. Um, in fact, I would say if we went back a year, yeah, probably about a year, we had our discussion around AI in – security projects it was machine learning at the time well yeah. so we batted back and forth right we we compared and contrasted the two but all of us were were not that bullish on ai and i think a year we've seen huge changes yep in that where now we're having a conversation around the potential value of ai relative to a forensics investigation for ransomware right i mean it's yep. a <laughs> what a change in a year i think the next year is going to be hugely different oh, yeah. than this. We have no idea what's coming. No idea. So we're prognosticating, <laughs> uh, right? Like uh, we're, the, Matt's hot take. I'm going to, that's, that's right. what I feel like. <laughs> we're reading the podcast. You are the, yeah. the crystal ball in the center of the table. That's what it feels like. So, <laughs> so, I mean, this is a topic where I, where I feel really good about saying, if everybody wants to talk about it, like we don't have all the answers, but we're certainly interested and we're certainly watching it as I think a lot of people in the space are. Uh, so if there's a conversation to be had, this is probably a good one and we're happy to have it. So, uh, and if nothing else, we hope you found this this podcast interesting because uh, there's a lot to there's a lot to uncover here. Uh, thanks for listening. We'd love to hear your feedback. Feel free to get in touch at Vancord on LinkedIn or on Twitter at Vancord Security. And remember, stay vigilant, stay resilient. 
This has been Cybersound. <laughs>